0: Hello Sunshines! I'm Jana.
1: And I'm Keith. And this is... Hello Hello, Sunshine! Sunshine. And in this episode, Jana and I have our first guest of the show, my brother Michael. Hello.
0: Hi! Hello. (laughs) How are you doing today, Mike?
2: Yeah, I'm doing all right.
1: This is episode two of the podcast, but in case any listeners didn't, well, catch the first episode, this is a mental health focused podcast.
0: And for today's episode, we are going to be talking about experiences in the mental health world with Mike, his personal experiences. Uh, The focus is going to be more around um, people such as myself and Mike who have been dealing with mental wellness and mental issues for a longer period of time, so I'd say that we're pretty... Uh, pretty much aficionados at the topic. Sure, (laughs) But also as a reminder, as always, we are not certified professionals. Not
1: at all. So yeah, basically take everything with a grain of salt that you hear in this episode. But I mean, if anything is relevant to you and you get anything from this, I mean, that's awesome. But we do advise you to go elsewhere and look at different resources, such as those that we will provide at the end of the episode.
0: Exactly. You can take our advice. However, uh, I have a bachelor's degree in music. So I am not equipped yet, yet to give this kind of advice. Maybe in like three years when I have my master's, until then. Let's get started. So, Mike.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: Hello. I want to start off asking what kind of issues do you identify as having or that you've been dealing with for the last few years?
2: Well, I guess the short answer is the fun combo of anxiety and depression. Not that I really, I mean, I'm comfortable with telling people, hey, I have anxiety and depression. It's not like I'm ashamed of it or anything, but it's not... Also, like, something I go out, like, tooting about, like, hey, everyone, I have anxiety and Not, well, no. Maybe.
0: You don't introduce yourself to people as, like, hi, I'm anxiety and depression.
2: Yeah, no, I kind of view myself as Michael usually. Right. But uh, those are just char- characteristics that I have of myself.
0: How old were you when you were first, like, diagnosed officially? Or that you were maybe even aware of that was what was going on?
2: I there's always been stuff that I've dealt with like as far back as I can remember but not that I really realized at the time as far back as me being a kid not that I really realized that there was anything different but um I I could recall as a kid uh getting pretty emotional over small things that normally I mean, kids, I mean, they're kids that get emotional and stuff, but I would be a little extra. I would remember after, uh, maybe this is elementary school, after dinner every day, every night, mother would ask Keith and I, uh, make sure to take a shower, uh, and I didn't want to take a shower, so I always kind of try to sneak out of the room, and then I could remember when mother would ask, make sure to take a shower, I would just get... I don't know if frustrated is the right word, but it's all like internal. Um, I never get mad at I rarely get mad at anyone else. I always internalize it towards myself somehow, and I would get kind of frustrated at myself and I wouldn't want to take that shower. I still would, but I wouldn't be like, Okay, I'll take a shower. I'd be like, I don't wanna but not that I would be yelling out at mom or anything. I would just be like, Argh. internalized, yeah. Yeah. And I would do that. Uh, and I can also remember. <laughs> I, I, I recall that I told that I had a like, crush on someone. Uh, but they didn't, like, feel the same way or whatever. But this is, like, early elementary school, so it didn't mean anything. But I took it, like, as, like, I I was pr- really upset by it. Heartbroken. Yeah, and I began, like, talking to someone at a really young age. I went to some special child uh, psychologists, And I... I have very faint memories of that, but I do recall talking to someone at such a young age, I still didn't really know that there was anything really different about me, but I do remember that. I guess I didn't really realize there was anything... Well, and also, I don't know if this is even related, but this is might be a tangent, but I, I I've always, like, received some kind of special help throughout education, well, at least early elementary school into middle school there's always some special help but that was due to me well this is uh, this is kind of different because this is me like needing like speech therapy initially This not really mental illness so I don't know if this is really I I can go into it I don't know if it's really related honestly
1: uh, I mean, you, can, you can go into the, yeah, the, I- the IEP if you... If I, what say. is IEP?
0: Um, IEP, hi, I'm the music teacher here. Uh, IEP stands for Individualized Education Plan and uh, Children at Schools, it's pretty much a legal binding document that states, you know, my child has this kind of disability or needs these kind of accommodations and the school is required to honor those um to, to honor those accommodations. So if you need more time on a test or, you know, if you start to get upset or frustrated and you need to go take a walk, um, it allows you to do so. Um, and really the only people that know that you have an IEP is your teacher and um, the special education department at the school and you and your family. Otherwise, it's a pretty private thing. It's not information that is privy to your, your classmates and things like that. IEPs are for all kinds of things. They're for mental things. or for physical things, um, speech. So you're more than welcome to to share that experience because yeah, sure. it, it shaped you to be the person you are today.
2: I didn't know that there was a name. I didn't know it was called IEP, but no, yeah, I absolutely, if that's what an IEP is, I absolutely had one <laughs> because as a little tot, I... I don't know if this is, has any relation, but probably not. But I used to have trouble putting sentences together. Like I knew words and I knew potato. I'd prob- I don't know if I knew what a potato was, but I could be like potato or water or whatever. But I couldn't say, I want a potato. <laughs> I, I couldn't form that sentence. So I went to some special speech therapy as a kid. After a few years, I was able to put sentences together, and I didn't really need spe- uh, special speech therapy anymore. I was still put in, like, special English classes. I was always, whenever it was English time, I'd always be taken out of the main room and be put in a smaller room with a smaller group of my fellow classmates and would just do English there. I'm like, okay, cool. But well, then even after elementary school, when I was no longer put in a special English class, I would still... At the beginning of every year, whenever there was like a quiz or some assignment that we had to do in class, at the beginning of every year, they would always hand me answer sheets. Like no one else in the class, they'd always hand me the answers. Like, here you go, Michael, if I'm in like a science class or something, like here are all the answers. At the beginning of every year, I would have to go to the teacher. It's like, I don't know why I'm getting this because my mom never told like, oh, and I love my mom. And something that I really appreciate that she did Uh, as a kid was because I was like a special needs student there was always an aide in the class and they were there to help me but my mom told them help everyone in the class not just Michael go around helping all the kids don't make him feel isolated or anything so I unbeknownst to me for many years I had no idea that the aide was in the class for me Right. but uh so that's why I was still really confused in middle school when I was getting all of these answer sheets because I never got answer sheets before and I was like why am I getting these I'd always go to the teacher at the beginning of every school year like please don't give this, these to me I don't want these I don't need these I can answer the questions stop giving them to me and the teachers at the beginning of every year they'd always be all right sure and they would never give it to me and I it would never come up until the next school year started and I got a new teacher and then they would give me the answer sheets. so I have to go to them like don't give me the answer sheet and my mom was like I don't know and my mom tried call contacting the school was like he doesn't need these, and the school is all be like, I don't know why it never changed. It never did.
0: Do you think that affected? Do you think that that had an effect on your like mental health journey, like as you went from elementary all the way until now? Like, d- do you think that affects you at all, or not so much?
2: I, I honestly, I don't think it affected me too much. It'll make me feel a little embarrassed at the beginning of every year, sure, but I guess I'd always kind of forget about it until the next school year started and then when I went to a separate school I went to a technical school where I got to specialize in engineering in high school and it didn't follow me there so I was just a normal regular student along with well it's actually well I thought it's funny that I say normal regular student in high school because that's kind of when I started realizing that I have some uh anxiety i had some anxiety issues back in high school
1: yeah that's definitely when that started to show up and be a little bit more clear
2: yeah um i up until then i would always be able to finish all my homework assignments on time well last minute maybe like hey uh I'd always be able to push off assignments to the last minute. I'd be able to finish them on, t- uh, be able to finish them no problem. I'd hand them in. There'd be no problems. I would get mostly straight A's and stuff until high school. At high school, I was used to pushing work off to the last minute, but the bar is set much higher at this school than A uh,
0: normal public school.
2: Yeah. So I can no longer push assignments to the last minute, but. I that was already kind of really ingrained in me that all and I really struggled with time management that is one of the main cruxes is time is managing my time and all this work would always snowball and I in the future I would even be able to kind of see the patterns forming but back then this is the first time that this was ever happening to me I didn't know how to manage my time properly, assignments would catch up. I would always... And then I began having to talk to some... There's some uh, special help, uh, like, service. Um, there was a school uh, counselor, therapist, that I would be able to talk to, and she would work with me and try to figure out, okay, you could have some extra time on some assignments, and I'd try to use them to the best of my ability. But I can remember sometimes where... I would have meetings between the school counselor and teachers there at my school, uh, teachers that are were pretty demanding and expected a lot from the students because they wanted to see all of us prosper, but I could kind of tell they didn't really like the idea of, hey, there's this kid who needs some extra time on the work, and I always feel that would really get to me in my head that I do not like asking for this extra time I don't just like in my head I didn't feel I did not feel like I deserved it I put myself into this position I shouldn't be getting special help I'm not saying this is absolutely not the way to think this is how my brain was working at the time that's your
0: mental health speaking to you
2: yeah Yeah. that like I do not deserve this I shouldn't be getting this extra amount of time all this work should already be Finished and here I am asking these teachers who are expecting so much from me kind of have some extra time. You're
0: like bearing your soul to these teachers that are already kind of looking down upon you and it's like what that's the crazy thing is like they I've been in a similar situation where it's like all these people are looking at you like, Why are you so lazy? Why are you doing that? like come on, just like get it together and what you realize in hindsight, you know, but not in the moment then, like because you had something going on. It wasn't just you refusing. Like, you were kind of trying to figure your stuff out. And I'm sorry that you were in an environment that wasn't super-duper uh, supportive of that.
2: Well, there were, I mean, not everyone was like that. But there definitely were some people that expected a lot. But enough uh,
0: to, like, put that kind of negative uh, thought in your head.
2: Yeah. I don't know if this should be included in what I'm about to say, but... Yeah, there are like I can remember some of the teachers that I had there that were definitely came from different parts of the world, different cultures, and were raised with different backgrounds and different viewpoints, and some places where mental wellness is not as well
0: received. Yeah, respected. Yeah, understood.
2: Yeah, so I can remember some of those teachers, some from those uh, like different parts of the world would really not like me having struggling with that.
0: Mike, you have no idea how much we have in common. (laughs) I've, I've been in your shoes and it is, it's not fun, especially when you yourself don't know what the heck is going on. And it's like, you're just as frustrated as they are. And you wish you could say, like, you know, I wish I knew why I can't get out of bed. I wish I knew why I can't get this homework done. I don't know. Could you tell me? Because I don't know. And it just, I feel like that happens a lot to kids, especially today. Uh, and it it really, I I feel like the loss of empathy and treating students like human beings. And it's like, we I feel like sometimes teachers forget, like, you know, Culturally or not, I, I think that adults sometimes do forget, like, everybody's carrying around something, and I don't think it's right to, to make assumptions about somebody based on a few circumstances, or they didn't really truly obviously know you because they didn't know that you were struggling.
2: Yeah.
1: Also, from what I recall in high school, I mean, just going off of what you were just saying, I do recall there being a good support system at the school for you still.
2: There was. No, yeah. Like, I briefly talked about the uh, counselor, the therapist that was there. Yeah, and
1: I also remember the principal at the time. Oh,
2: absolutely. There were, like, I, yeah, I, there were a lot of supportive people there. It's definitely, it could have been much, much worse. There were a lot of people there to support me, uh, and I was very thankful for that. Uh, there were a lot I mean, of good people the principal people there.
1: was there who had your back from day one. He was, he was actually one of the individuals who encouraged you to go to that school.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I still really respect him to this day. I, he's such a good guy. Uh, yeah. But, uh, so yeah, that was the high school I went to. And, of course, I try. I didn't try taking the easy classes. I always go for the AP classes and the AP classes on top, like past AP. Like I took Calc 1 through 3 in high school. Uh, and, like, Physics AB and Physics BC. I I was stacking AP courses, so it's not like that made it easy. I got through it, but it's not like it made it much easier. And then this all, of course, uh, carried into college because I decided to go to school for engineering, and then that turned into computer engineering, which is not known to be easy. (laughs) So a lot of this
1: continued
2: into college,
1: which is a much different environment. Absolutely. Than high school cuz this is more college is more reflective of the real world experience. Yeah, in high in terms school, of taking care of things yourself.
0: Yeah, sink or swim.
2: Yeah, in high school the teachers are still trying to they're there for the students. They're trying to really pull the class along like teachers and Not high, that
1: they're not in college, but No, it's more like the if, culture is different. No, no, like, yeah, yeah,
2: teachers will still if, Teachers will, in coll- if you have a good teacher, if you have a good professor in college, if you want to learn, they will do everything they can. They work- if you have a good professor, they will work their butts off, but they're only going to work their butts off for students who show that they want to learn. If you don't put in the work to graduate, then the professors, they're not going to put in the work to help out students who aren't putting in the work as well. And that only gets more complicated when, start, when you start mixing in a mental wellness into this. But there are, like, counselors that I was able to talk to. There were, like, there's a whole facility at the school I went to, Rutgers, that all, like, for helping students out. There, there was a lot of help at Rutgers for me to reach out. But it gets really complicated when it gets to individual professors because in the end, it's up to the professors. Like, the special departments who you can work with with dealing with mental health, they can reach out to the professors, but it's ultimately up to the professors whether they choose to accept, okay, yes, this person needs some extra help or not. I've had professors that refuse to help me at all. Like, even with uh, going to these departments, they would say, you didn't do the work, you missed... But there, there'd be a There are some parts of college that got pretty rough for me. I remember there would be whole chunks of exams that I would miss because I was too anxious to go to them. I I felt I didn't prepare enough for the exams and I'd be too anxious to show up. And it got really weird for me because I would start using the excuse, hey, I could just take a makeup exam. I don't have to go right now. So it's like, if I didn't have that extra help, maybe I still would have pushed myself to go to the exam. But being that I could take a makeup exam, I would say, okay, I don't have to. It got really weird. I got really guilty with uh, just all this stuff was like just crossing over there. I wanted to push myself, but I got really anxious. I don't get anxiety episodes. It became a mess. I really had a hard time managing all this work and there's a lot of work expected for computer engineers and many different programs. but from my experience, a lot is expected of computer engineers and it got rough. There were some professors that were just oh, one of the roughest things I could remember from college is there's this one professor I had for one class and I was not doing well in his class. I I remember the first time I tried taking his class, I was not doing well in it, and I dropped out of the class, but then I was thinking after I dropped out, maybe if I put in some extra work, maybe I could have still passed the class. After dropping out during that semester, I remember going up to him like during his office hours and saying, hey, maybe I could rejoin you. I was a mess at this point. I was asking, maybe I could rejoin your class. Maybe I could finish all this work, and then he was going through all the assignments I hadn't completed all the grades for tests and whatnot that weren't that great, and he was saying, there's no way you can do this, like, there's so much work, and I probably mentioned that I had some, like, mental struggles at this point, and something that really still kind of really hurt me <laughs> was... You could just take some, like, medication, like candy or whatever to help you, like, do better. And I was, I didn't really have anything to say. And I just kind of walked out. And I remember the second time I took his class, at the beginning uh, of, like, the following semester when I was taking the class again, he was going over stories of prior students in his classes of how not to act. And I was one of those stories I was I remember sitting in there, and he was going over, and I had this one student who, in the middle of the semester after dropping out, went up to me and was asking if he could rejoin the class. He was a mess. Like, you need to, and he was telling the class, you need to, like, organize your time. You can't do that. I remember sitting there, and I was afraid to go back into class for a few weeks because I just couldn't sit back in that lecture hall again. He didn't point me out or anything. He said everything. Like, he didn't call out any names. I remember, like, at the end of that lecture saying I was that student and thought I would try to do better and everything. It was just like, okay. Uh, But I was afraid to go back in there for a few weeks. And that was a really rough time. But after enough help and enough time management, uh, I eventually got through it. It took a few extra years to graduate, but I eventually got there. So, Yeah it was pretty rough at times if i'm being really honest yeah
0: sorry i'm getting upset because i've been through i've been through very very similar things especially in college and there's nothing worse than you know mental health is not something you can touch it's not tangible you can't hold it in your hands it's it's invisible and it's so easy to say to a teacher, "Oh, I can't do this assignment because I broke my arm, and I—it's my good arm, and I—you know—I can't write with my left, and I can only write with my right." Like it's—it's it's not like that. It's—it's—it's it's, it's a handicap for some people, especially when they're going through, you know, stressful, rough periods in their life. And I have also dealt with teachers of different uh, cultural backgrounds. Um, yeah, there are going to be people in life that don't respect what's going on which is why I tend to lead life with an empathetic and sympathetic attitude because you know I don't I don't know if someone's family member just died or they haven't been able to get out of bed for a week or this is the first time they haven't like thrown up because you know their stomach won't settle like because I've been that person praying that somebody else would be that for me. Like someone else would pay a little closer attention and, and be a little bit more like kind in that respect. So I'm sorry that you went through all that because you didn't deserve that. And obviously you're a very intelligent person. Otherwise you wouldn't have been where you were being put in life. Like going to a technical high school um, and, and, and pursuing something as... Something I could never do, computer engineering. Um, again, I can't do music. I could teach you. <laughs> mm. I could teach you, but I have to try. No, but thank you for sharing that because it's not easy to talk about. Which is why I was getting all like misty eyed over here because I just I I relate so hard.
2: Yeah, and the, the overall majority of professors I had were typically understanding. Those are just a uh, but it's those, you,
0: it's those crappy ones that really just like. Oh, those are the ones that
2: you remember. That
0: fuck you up.
2: Yeah.
1: So, yeah. I mean, just to reiterate what Jenna was just saying, I mean, it really just sucks and hurts hearing those stories. But what was your support system like in college? Well, I had a, a lot of, I had
2: a few pretty dope friends. Uh, dope. Yeah, dope, yeah. Uh, and one thing that I learned a little too late in engineering school, but well, that could apply to many other schools, is I would sometimes be really anxious to go to classes because I would think, oh, I don't know enough. I didn't read this chapter. I'm not going to be able to follow the lesson plan or anything. Everyone else in the class is going to be so much more well-prepared than I am. The thing is no one in engineering knows what they're doing. That's the secret that they don't tell you, no one knows anything. (laughs) The majority of students have no idea what's going on and you're absolutely not alone. (laughs) Right. That's not to say don't work because you absolutely need to, but if you're feeling that you're so behind in the class, you are absolutely not the only one.
0: (laughs) Right. But kind of like circling back to your experiences in college and um which by the way you graduated this spring so congratulations
2: thank you
0: I think I want to bring up the point that not everybody's journey is linear
2: I took seven years to graduate a four-year program and
0: that's okay like you don't everyone from the day that we are born is beaten into our brains that we have to finish, you know, we have to go away to school, we have to finish a degree in 4 years and then we get married, have kids, live life, die. Like that's that's the kosher way. The 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 timeline that is kind of ingrained in us, Which but
1: 4 years isn't necessarily normal like I graduated in 4 years personally, but if anything I still felt odd on my ends because out of Everyone that was close to me, both from back at home and who I went to college with, no one else graduated along with me. Right. I was on that boat alone.
0: Yeah, it's it's not, not everybody's journey ends in four years. I mean, there were times with, you know, in regard to my mental health where my mom was like, maybe we should take a break. And mm. I would consider it and then I'd say you know what no I just want to get this the hell over with yeah. so I That's can was the
2: same time. with you Mike yeah no, yeah. Right. no, and the, the extra few years did provide some benefits like I got to for I got to do some research you know within the uh, neuroscience department at Rutgers which is absolutely fascinating and I love doing it so there were positives that came out of it I got to spend more time doing my research and learning machine learning and whatnot so that was pretty dope
0: and like just because it took a little extra time doesn't mean that you're going to be any less of a computer engineer. Yeah. Just like me not still not understanding what the hell an aeolian scale is, okay? Yeah. That's fine. I'm I'm a very effective teacher, I've been told so, so. honestly,
2: anyone that's doing any form of engineering, especially computer engineer computer engineering, you already kind of have a mental illness like you no <laughs> sane person goes through those programs. <laughs> so well, <laughs> Yeah.
0: Um, well, just to kind of uh, reiterate a comment I made earlier, going back to when we first started talking and, and you talked about, like, you know, the origins of when you started to notice, like, I'm a little bit different than some of my friends. Um, I very similarly, um, the worst of it was high school. Mm-hmm. So we have that in common. I first noticed my issues when I was in middle school. And at the time I didn't understand what was happening. So the only words that I could use to describe it were like, I felt homesick. It was like this constant feeling of, I need to get the hell out of here. And I need to like go home because that was like my comfort zone. Um, and then over time that developed into like other anxieties and fears. I just wanted to bring the point that like our, our journeys have a lot of parallels in that kind of around the same time. I think it also biologically makes sense too, because it's like hormones and your body's changing.
2: Biologically. That reminds me of a point I wanted to make earlier. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of, uh, my stuff is genetic.
0: Oh, dude. Same here. Yep.
2: Yeah. Uh, so my my brother, who's also on this podcast, uh, you know, like I'm have I shared genetic material with him. Um, we both share genetic material with our mother, who also has some anxiety sh- shizzle, and she shares genetic material with her mother, uh,
0: who also has a history. Who also
2: had yeah, which I talked to his mother the other day, and I didn't realize how bad of anxiety that grandmother had, but. She had a lot of anxiety. Towards the end of her life, she wouldn't leave the house. She uh, became,
0: like, agoraphobic?
2: Me- oh, sh- let's pretend I don't know what that means.
0: Um, agoraphobic means, like, afraid to go outside, like, to leave your house.
2: Yeah, maybe to some degree. Like I- a-
0: afraid of the outside world.
2: Something like that, maybe. Like, it didn't, like, at first, she, you know, started to go outside the house less and less. She would all, and then it got to the point she'd only go to the doctor and church. Only and she, then like, had to. And then she would only sit at the back of the church. There would be a chair at the back of the church that she would sit at by herself. And then she would only go to the doctor if she ever had to. Other than that, she would just stay inside the house. I remember mother uh, telling that to me the other day. And I was like, whoa. Uh, And that's why mom likes to get me out of my room a lot because she doesn't want me to. To
0: to isolate yourself like that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Okay, that are, all right, I
1: see where you're coming from with that. <laughs> it's oh. the same
0: way in my family, too, on both sides. So my psychiatrist calls it a double whammy.
1: While we talked a lot about school, I want to hear a little bit more from you. You could tell the audience how your anxiety and depression has affected you in social situations. Oh, yeah, social anxiety. That's another. <laughs> that's another fun
2: one. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I definitely get, I absolutely get social anxiety at sometimes. Uh, I mean, I've been getting a lot better, but, uh, there'll be times where I'll just be with a group of peeps and usually I have high energy at the beginning of it and be like, Hey, what's up everyone? YOLO. Uh, let's raise the roof and drink some fun age appropriate beverages.
1: Who still says YOLO?
2: Well, I mean, you just. I walk.
1: know this is a like goofy example on your end, but I'm just saying that thinking this out loud, at least two. mentally ill people do. <laughs> Hello,
0: people with social anxiety too.
1: Uh, yes.
2: Uh, and then I might start getting quiet after a while. Maybe there would be something I'll be thinking about. Hey, maybe I shouldn't have said that one thing. Or, hey, that person's doing better in life than I am. And then I will start being quieter. Uh yeah, maybe uh once on time to myself, which usually is the bathroom since that's usually the place you could just be by yourself. And yeah, just to try to get away from a group and try to relax a little bit. So yeah, definitely social anxiety gets to me and usually it'll be me comparing myself to other people, not thinking I'm like good like good enough or that I'm not equals with other people. A lot of my anxiety just comes from me comparing myself to other people. It's actually kind of like two parts to me that I struggle with. One part of me being anxious and hard to motivate myself to do things even though I know they need to be taken care of. And the other part of me would be like really kind of want to be more controlling over myself and be like you need to be taking care of these things that you're not taking care of. You need to pay your bills, you need to change the tires on your car, you need to do these things. And I'm I'll be like, oh, one part of me is like, I don't want to do this right now. And the other part of me, you'll you have to do this right now. And then those kind of two sides kind of like pull along each other. And I'll have dreams. Like I remember like one common one I used to have is I'll be driving a car, but I'll drive through a stop sign and I'll realize when it's too late that I drove through the stop sign and feel like I'm losing control that I should have been able to realize that, but I'm realizing it too late. I'm just feeling like I'm losing control over myself Maybe my room would be a mess and I feel like I'm a mess looking, you know, sleeping in the same room that's a mess or I just feel like I'm losing, that I can't just manage my time, manage all these little things over myself and then I feel ashamed, like, well, I can't even take care of these little things. a 25-year-old adult, I should be able to do these things. Why am I having trouble with them? Something like that.
0: I can commiserate. I think that... I was diagnosed with ADHD later in life at the age of 20, but it sure made things a lot clearer. <laughs> it made things that I went through in my life make a lot more sense. Things like you just said, like the motivation to do simple things, like take care of myself, um, which I think the best motivation for me sometimes, like as unhealthy as this is, is anxiety. Like, you there know, are
2: healthy forms of – Right. Like Anxiety is a normal emotion that to a degree – Healthy humans do have anxiety. Like, we've right. evolved to have it. It's just that it's unbalanced in some people.
1: Right. Ba- I mean, anxiety is a form of energy. And a big thing is, again, as we established, I'm not a mental health professional, but from the way I try to frame it for myself, being a form of energy, it has to be expelled some way. Uh, that's yeah. the best way to get rid of it. So, I mean... In that, what you're saying, like, the best form of motivation in times could be anxiety. It's just, like, using it to force you to do something in some situations. Because otherwise, I mean, if you hold in and bottle that anxiety, that just builds up and makes you feel physically or mentally uncomfortable or unstable. So it's an energy that you have to find the best way for you to expel and... Maybe be productive with it or take the load off, just go for a run. I don't know what. Go for
2: walks. Walks are like so good for you. About the best thing. If you're anxious, go for a walk. And it doesn't have to be a long walk. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a long walk. It could just be a 10 minute walk. It doesn't have to be a long one, but go for walks. And you don't have to wait to be anxious to go for a walk, even if you're feeling all right. Go for a walk. Go. For a walk, those are good for your brain.
1: Hey, <laughs> right, Micah, what are you suggesting for the audience to do? Go
0: for a walk. Oh my goodness! Really, what a lot of my anxiety comes from, which I think a lot of people can agree with, is it's it's anxiety is the fear of fear. It's something that you can't control. And for somebody like me who has generalized anxiety disorder and for a little bit um, panic disorder which is, it's like your body thinks that you are about to jump off a cliff, but you're not about to jump off a cliff. You're sitting in your bedroom and everything's fine and you're safe and you're okay, but your body produces the, um, the hormones and the adrenaline as if you're about to jump off of a cliff, and it kind of overwhelms your system to a point where sometimes you have an anxiety attack Where and that looks different for lots of other people. So um, sometimes one way to help combat these feelings besides uh, breathing and meditation and things like that or medication if need be. Um, journaling is a great one. Uh, songwriting, journaling, writing poetry, writing music, playing music, singing, um, going for walks as as, as Michael said 20,000 times. Um, exercises. What did he
1: suggest? <laughs> going for a
0: walk. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, like for me, like, that form of self-care is definitely having therapy once a week, um, especially not because I don't have a wonderful support system in my life. However, I sometimes feel like my problems are a little too big for my friends to solve. So I tend to save all my juicy stuff for um, when I have therapy because I feel like that's like my safe haven to, to be fully uh, transparent and honest. But I definitely can vouch for the fact that writing things down definitely helps um, just finding a way to express it and then you can either keep your notes or you can burn them in the fire or you can send them off in a balloon um, or you can eat them. But then you'd be eating your own feelings and, and I don't think that's very healthy.
1: And plus, I don't think it's good to eat. Well, what I'm assuming is paper.
0: Yeah, but I mean like if, reduce, if you, use, recycle.
1: But what if you yeah. wrote your feelings in cake icing on top of the cake—is that a good way of eating your feelings?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, definitely not the healthiest. However, no, because
1: I feel like we're going to talk about like physical health in another episode. And I don't. Oh, th- sure. I don't think cake is a good example. No, but episode, it's not the best. I mean, some we're not going to endorse it.
0: What's important <laughs> is to do something that means something to you as an individual.
1: I love
2: oatmeal. Oatmeal was so good. All right, so I then, love putting berries in there, so write a message with berries. Right,
0: just write like self-loathing, eat that shit, eat it up, digest it.
2: Never-. I don't really want it, every time <laughs> I make oatmeal, I don't want to painstakingly write a message and th- that message being self-loathing.
0: <laughs> that was just whatever, that was the first thing that came into my head. And just
2: like make a smiley face or something? Sure, Thank you. absolutely. With blueberries? Yes. Could kind a of strawberry be like the nose? You know what? Can I cheat and put a banana Sky? as a smile?
0: Sky's the limit, Mike. Okay. Well, <laughs>
2: cool, thank you.
1: Anyway, is there anything else you I'm not you talking want?
2: about that sugary oatmeal either. I'm talking about that bland, healthy oatmeal, that good chisel. That good, good. I do cheat. I do the one-minute oatmeal, but it's still good, yo.
0: So originally, when Keith and I discussed the idea for this podcast, um, we wanted to talk about a multitude of different topics, and the one of, you know – people who have been in the world of mental health for a while, who've been dealing with it for a while, getting treatment for a while and just kind of getting their perspective of, of their journey and where they are now and how they got there. And um, so I just, first of all, want to thank you Mike for being so vulnerable and for sharing your story. Cause I think it's important that people know that you made it to the other side, Yeah, which is like key to remember is no feeling is final. Like my, therapist hey Karen always says you know every time I think of I can't do something she says well Jana you've been successful up to this point you've made it over every bridge
2: it's just one step at a time really uh just yeah when you have one when there's a big thing to do just don't look at it as a big thing just step by step yeah multiple little things yeah exactly You have a big box of chocolates you don't eat. Well, I mean, you could. Actually, that does sound pretty good. I kind of want to have an entire box of chocolates right now. But normally, you just have one chocolate at a time. That's a weird analogy.
0: Well.
1: Okay, Forrest.
0: Until. (laughs) So with that being said. We're going to wrap up today's episode uh, by sharing some different uh, resources that you can reach out to if need be. There's Psychology Today, which is a magazine and a website where you can find a therapist in your area that uh, is covered by your insurance. Also, we have SuicidePreventionLifeline.org or Crisis Text Line. Uh, text REASON to 741741. It's free, confidential, and 24-7-7. You are not alone in your mental health journey. Please reach out if you need help. There's no shame in asking for help.
1: And on top of that, even though we brought up those professional sources, I'm going to remind you that we have our own social media. So be sure to check out what we post there, whether it be advice or insight, or we're just sharing when there's going to be a new episode released. So, signing off now, I'd like to say things may not always be easy.
0: But don't forget to try to stay on the bright side. Bye, guys. Bye.
1: Bye.